Hello and welcome into Camel Call Friday with Evan Budrovich. I'm Chris Haymeyer. Spoiler alert, because of fall break, Evan's parents are coming into town all the way from L.A. We are taping this on Wednesday. Fall sports never get a fall break, so we'll have a full rundown of what has been going on. Evan, you get to see your folks. The last time they were here for a football game, was against Marist in 2015. <laughs> oh, Lord. Cam Bryant was the quarterback. Sure. I think we scored nine points, right. and it rained probably yep. nine inches that night. Jared Turner was leaning on the field goal post of Bob Roller back in the day when you could stand on the field and watch yep. the game. And that was one of our six losses by one score that year. Anyway, let's, forget, let's forget that, and let's Bringing focus back on memories. Let's talk about you from L.A., born and raised, grew up, Tell us your backstory and adventure of how a guy from L.A. literally goes nearly as far as he can across the country to not only come but stay in North Carolina. So I accepted a job as an internship that paid $500 for the summer with a collegiate baseball team. Called That's the, just a month that was all summer? Oh, the whole summer. Oh, my God. Called the Moorhead City Marlins. Um, they're in the CPL, which— Wilson has a team and Holly Springs. There's some local teams. College wooden bat league team. Fun league. Yeah. And you're traveling, you're playing 60 games in like 65 days. You're going on a bus at two in the afternoon, getting back. I actually interviewed with you on a bus driving to Fayetteville. We were playing a team. We get home at two at, at the night. You come back the next day and you work all these games, right? Yeah. And so I moved out here for that. Was going to go home for the summer and got an email from John Chalesnik about an internship. At Campbell, I guess you had him post yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. So then I come visit campus, and I drove via Dunn and Irwin is how I came through. So I'm like, oh, look, here's a city, and this is Dunn and Irwin. This seems nice. And then you keep going, and you're going. And I'm driving in a 98 yeah, right. Volvo that's, you know, doesn't have great air conditioning and everything. And we pull up it had, to— uh, It had no air conditioning. We pull up to the McKay house, and I had to call you in the parking lot because I couldn't find the McKay house yeah. on the map. So we went to county seat. We had a nice meal. We ran into President Creed at county seat. I think it was you, me, and Jason <laughs> way back when. Wow. So from there, I accepted the internship. You, ex you accepted the internship, and then this is my uh, this is probably the best part of my hiring and management piece of you. It was just for an internship, and you had said, we obviously knew a couple weeks in that you were such a hard worker, so talented both in broadcasting and with the digital media stuff, we wanted to keep you. And we were able to open up the internship is going to turn into a full-time position. And you had said, well, I really, I really want to do minor league baseball this year. I can get on with the team, everything like that back, you know, back home, back home on the West coast. And so I talked about it with my then boss at the time. And I said, I did minor league baseball for five and a half years, man, he ain't going to like it. So we let you go out and do it and saying, Hey, you know, you let me know in the middle of summer if you want to come back here for a full-time position. So we basically gave you the job, but held off on bringing you here until you went and did minor league baseball. And you called me back in the middle of summer and said, you know what? I'm coming back for a full-time position. Yeah, I lived in uh, out in Washington in Yakima Valley, which was basically the Palm Springs of Washington out there. <laughs> so 100 degrees every day. You're yeah. pulling tarp. You're calling a game at 7 o'clock. It just didn't fit for me long-term. Minor league baseball is is such a grind. I'll also never, I'll also never forget that. Are you going to bring up the shorts? No, I, I wasn't going to bring that up. I wasn't. Gonna, do you want to bring that up? Well, it was nine hundred degrees outside, okay. and okay. here All I right. was being young and you know naive to the process. I was like, oh, I'm applying for an internship. It's nine hundred degrees. 
I'm going to wear shorts to my interview because <laughs> that's what we did at minor league baseball. We wore shorts and a, and a you know polo every day. Evan shows up for his internship interview in shorts, but this is also the the, the side of Evan where. I thought, okay, because he comes up the stairs to meet me in the McKay house. Boy, we're getting real deep, McKay house here. But uh, he comes up the stairs to meet me. And one of the first things he says, I'm like, hey, Evan, come on up. He says, I know I'm wearing shorts, but it's really hot and my car doesn't have air conditioning. So Evan knew he probably shouldn't have been wearing shorts, but he thought he could get away with it, and he did. And that day, this is, this is also hilarious, but my boss at the time, Former college wrestler at Penn former State. Former college wrestler at Penn State, guy who's very serious at times, still a, still a very good friend. If he would have been in the office, no matter what you would have done with the interview, he would have not let me hire you because you you wear you wore shorts. Well, remember and, when he found out in November? Yes, yes. He made me wear a suit to work yeah. for a Later week. <laughs> We, we, we kept the story for him, and then by the time everybody loved Evan and we wanted him here forever. But, yeah, when he found out you wore shorts, he had you wear a suit to the office for a week. And, again, we're, we're talking like you always get dressed up. Luckily, one of the very good things about athletics is you can wear khakis and a polo. Oh, my gosh, that's that's hilarious. I, I had forgotten about that. But there, there are two people because I thought, man, your resume's so good, your stuff's so good. I loved getting to know you in that, but the shorts were just sticking sticking in my head. So I asked Jason Williams, who is still here, of course, our media comm guru, director of communications, uh, the head football SID and everything like that. And he said, I mean, yeah, but it was really hot and they're young and they just wear shorts. And then um, someone who I was dating at the time, I asked her and she said, yeah, I mean, it's fine. He's, he's 22 years old and thus you were there. And thus, an internship turned into a full-time position to athletics. I was scared to wear shorts for like two yeah. years in yeah. the office after that. Turned into now over here on Mediacom. Also, too, I remember that first year I asked you, I said, I said I'm going to tell you a couple things because you never know. I could, I could keel over. I could, I could be in a uh, – I could choke on something, and uh, you'll be the voice, voice of the camels. And you looked at me and you said – I mean, you know, even if they offered it to me, <laughs> I don't think I'd take that job. I mean, this was, you came from LA. This was a very small place. So, what changed for you from being in LA, being a California guy, and you've left your, your whole family is still yeah. over there. Why has North Carolina been the place for you? Living with coaches and staff members as roommates. So, when you have that collaborative effort, so I lived with Matt Moot, yeah, one of the right. golf coaches, I lived with Mike DeLucia a former college catcher who was a party animal, dressed up as a camel in his day job. And then I lived with David Marsh, the offensive coordinator oh, football, for football yeah. for two years. Gosh, we, I forgot we about lived that. You bounced for around. A year. Yeah. I lived with Tyler Robinson, and when he was dating Taylor, who now they're married and have two kids. So I lived with him for a while. I lived with Nitro, or Nate Kennedy, our former marketing director or assistant director. So uh, it really was the, I mean, not cheesy moment here, but the yeah. sense of the Campbell community is what has kept you here all these years. And then I moved in with Tristan Elledge, who's on the SID yep. staff. So I've always had a person that we could relate to and talk about. And then I knew Charles Phillips, who's in IT and digital media for a while. So that, that helped. I mean, Aviator's great. Fuquay's great. Once I moved to Andrew, it was better. I used to live across the street from campus. That's right. In your internship, you lived in the and Campbell Creek. Apartments. I was paying more money for rent there than what I was making. So I yeah. realized I had to get to a little better location. But but since then, I've, I've loved it. Yeah. I mean, join the club. That's what has kept so many of us that have been here now for, I've, going on year 11, year year seven, 
Yeah, going on eight soon. Yeah, I mean, look around and seeing all that, the people stay here. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but community is one. Speaking of community, Evan, the community, very happy after a great homecoming, the fact that not only did everyone win at homecoming, everyone has been winning for a long time. Men's soccer, volleyball, and football, look it up if you don't believe me, all three of those teams unbeaten since September 17th. Women's soccer, and we're recording this on Wednesday, unbeaten as we record this since September 1st. Wow. Look at the conference standings in all four of those sports. First or second in all four. Men's soccer, dominant. Women's soccer, we told you it's a mess up top, but they could win the league. Football could win the league this year. We just saw a 1-0 start in the conference. And then volleyball defeats the evil empire across the state in High Point. High Point, yes. And here they sit now as the top-ranked team. So you could theoretically see another type of fall where it's three straight yeah. weeks of tournament championships with the volleyballs and soccers. And then football, you know, we do want to appreciate Kyle Kalander for his great run. That'll come to an end in June. Big South Conference commissioner. But the commissioner could be handing yeah. a trophy out at the barbecue bowl against Gardner-Webb or in Rhode Island. Hopefully here in North Carolina when we start 5-0 and in the conference. This is a, a deep dig, and again, the coaches will not let their student-athletes listen to this to this podcast because you got to take it one game at a time. And look, there's, there's a month left in the regular season for volleyball and soccer and football, and a lot, a lot can happen. But on November 20th, right now scheduled here in the Creek, is the final Big South Conference game of the year for Campbell. It'll be Campbell versus Gardner-Webb. Campbell has a tough schedule. they got to go at NCNT. they got to go at Bryant. Then Gardner-Webb, three straight weeks. Those are next to Campbell, the three best teams in the Big South Conference. So, again, there's there's a long way to go. But that could be, as you said, the game that decides a conference championship, could decide it for Campbell. It would be their first ever trip to the FCS playoffs. After that game, right now scheduled for five. Trap game. Volleyball plays their final match of the year if things keep going as smoothly. And, again, it's, it's Campbell and High Point for for the volleyball championship as it looks right now. But that could be a game where a trophy is given. And then later that night, the Big South Conference Men's Soccer Tournament, it is always played at the higher seeds. That will be the night of the finals if Campbell is a higher seed and still in the tournament. I'm still upset they couldn't move that that to a Sunday. I mean, come on. TBD. We've got a lot to talk about about that because we got to do a lot of stuff with streaming. But that um, could be the third championship uh, awarded here in, in in Bowie's Creek again. A long way to go. Think a lot back of stuff to the that has to happen. Titles last year, no doubt. You have a chance to win four regular season and four, well, three postseason and four regular season yeah. trophies. And again, that's pretty much what they did last year. Men's soccer won a trophy. Women's soccer won a trophy. Men's soccer won two. Men's soccer won two. Volleyball won a trophy. And they seem to be on that same trajectory. Hannah Baysmore, our acting athletic director, said in one of these meetings with the, with the student-athletes, whatever, hey, 13, this is our last year in the Big South Conference. Let's go to 14. And it was sort of like, all right, that's a pretty tall order. And right now it's like, well, heck, fall's going to take care of, of half of that. Again, a long way to go. But, but look, it's a, it's a Big South where you're leaving the conference, so – Every time a team plays you, that's going to be on the back of their back. Hey, you guys are leaving us. That's a little bit. Also, in, in all of these fall sports, these teams have been good. They're the defending champs or they're a good team. you got a target on your back. 
And with the target on the back, with the pressure of being the defending champs, all of these fall sports are stepping up to the plate, which is pretty cool. I, I appreciate what men's soccer is doing, too. This under-the-radar top 25 win, UNC Greensboro, who just beat Clemson yeah. yesterday. A team that has not been healthy all year and is yet still mowing down competition. Just Dustin Fonder is an elite coach. We've seen it for five years now, since the fall of 18. And they continue to win and be productive and really be a national contender to maybe host a playoff game or, or win a playoff game. And then women's soccer, new head coach. Right. How, how great of a job is, is Jeff Gross doing? Look, you inherit a team that has won trophies over the past two years, but you're inheriting a team and an older team, too. You're coming in with oh, a different Oh, Senior Day voice. was amazing, too. I got to see the right. Peabody family. Right. And Laney's brother played baseball with my brother growing yeah. up. So I've known the Peabody's for years. And to see all those families come out and visit, and then they all went to the football game afterward. That was special. But to have such a different, you know, a different voice, a different coach to to come in, and then you did not, at least for wins and losses, start the year very tough schedule like you thought it would be, and now they literally haven't lost since September first. That's a fantastic job. And then and then Greg Gorl, he he lost some big pieces from last year, played a very tough schedule. And, and hasn't missed a beat so far in conference play. And beating High Point, a High Point team, that they will play for the conference championship or the regular season or you, tournament. You can pencil in yeah. the final Campbell-High Point women's there's, volleyball. Th- there's no doubt. And a team that had everything. You're the team that dethroned them last year. Here it is, the first game of the season. High Point is picked to win the conference, and you beat them in five sets. Just incredible. It's neat, too, this year. With You mentioned the final year of the conference, but the Commissioner's Cup, I think, would have extra value. Yeah. And Campbell, because of some math and some equations, did not win the Commissioner's Cup last year. Yeah, Had more titles, had more overall success, but it's an average, right? And it's, right. it's how you do in every sport. It would have been the third straight, and they lost it by percentage points. So you could really finish out a five-year run as the true dominant team in the conference and then move on to Cincinnati, if you're Bill Belichick, or move on to the next conference in the CAA. And football, you know, taking care of business against Charleston Southern, they will take on a team without a win. But as we saw against Charleston Southern, conference is a whole different thing. Robert Morris got beat badly by Gardner-Webb. That's why it may, at least on paper, be a different game. But this football team favored in these two games, now three games, and and taking care of business, which is what you have to do and and showing us that next level in maturity for, for the program and the team that – is really showing its talent. It's a very talented team. Hodge said it best post-game in the ESPN interview because this team needed to get a monkey off their back. And, and you never want to phrase it that way from an outside perspective, but from an internally, they had never beaten Charleston Southern. Yeah. And there was a great start to the game, but then a lull in the middle and turnovers and then sloppy penalties of 100 yards. And they still found a way to win. And they've like this year, the past couple years, on paper been better than Charleston Southern, so that's why it even meant anymore. Head coach Mike Minner was very emotional after the game. He was jumping up and down, and Mason Tucker got some great footage of him celebrating and hugging Dr. Creed and Hannah Baysmore. And these, these guys want to win this year because they know for five years in the Big South, they've been the team that had all the money, all the resources, and just hadn't finished. And now it's right in front of them. I mean, there's a lot of winnable games on the schedule, and they have a chance to secure a winning record in the next couple of weeks, and they have never won seven games. So why not this year in the final year in the Big South? We talked about it, how it'll be big time with the fact that this is a a football team that 
we are having these three games in a row. That there's only one more home game left after this Saturday, and and that'll well, be not just one home against Gardner Webb. The barbecue bowl. It's the barbecue bowl. We have the trophy in the football office right now. <laughs> is it is it full of barbecue? Because that would be. It needs to be. Call your boy Waddell and let's get a sponsorship going with the barbecue bowl. But barbecue bowl. I'm sure that is being worked on as we speak. Here is here's the good and bad news about the barbecue bowl everybody which i'll tell you the 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 bad news is is that gardner webb wants to continue this out of conference in the barbecue bowl they don't have any room in their schedule we don't have any room in our schedule either but i've heard um some things going on that they want to sign a long-term contract so every year you'd be playing Gardner Webb, which you hope is what happened with a well we sat in the mckay house three years ago and said gardner webb should be our football rival yeah the schools are very similar academically True. They both have similar grad programs. They're actually ranked in a similar trajectory in the U.S. World News and rankings. And they both have one side of the state that's kind of that armpit to a big city. So they have the local <laughs> armpit to a big city. Yeah. You're not welcome for the, you're not working for the Harnett County Tourism Bureau. No, no, it, it's regionality, right? So you're right within a few miles you of can the say big city. Real close to a big city. Well, remember our old AD didn't want us to say Bowie's Creek on broadcast. And I love Bob Roller, but, you know, yeah, it's all about the branding and the perspective and the uh, – but we're close to Raleigh. I, I won't say armpit. We're yeah. close to Raleigh. There we go, yeah. But Gardner-Webb is close to Charlotte. It's an hour, and we're 35 minutes from Raleigh. So we're all – we can cut this part out. We'll, we'll edit it all out in post. <laughs> 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 we're close to Raleigh. We know what you mean. You just talked about how much, how much you love North Carolina, so we we know. Well, you I don't mean part. armpit is a bad thing. Think right. how close I the mean, armpit I mean, is you, to the. You were being just anatomically correct with the. Oh Lord! Can we it's can we restart long, that it's segment? It's been a long couple. It's been a long couple of weeks, I, but a good couple of weeks. I, I, might, I, might, I might get a call from uh, Brad Creed if this a goes lot, out. <laughs> a lot of home games. Everybody's winning. It's fun after the football game, which is at one o'clock, uh, coming up this Saturday against Robert Morris. Campbell women's soccer, just two home games left. USC Upstate at 7 o'clock. It'll be another fun weekend. You have fun with your parents. Let's hope I see you next week. <laughs> For Evan, I'm Chris. Stick around. We will go down even more uh, memory lane. Um, someone who, when she was starting the women's lacrosse program, head coach Don Easley, she shared a floor and a bathroom and a couple of offices with me and Evan. So we know her well. She's always a great interview. And, uh, it's a really good interview, and it's coming up after the break. This is Camel Call Friday. We are no etiquette experts, but biting into your McDonald's crispy chicken sandwich and ending up with a whole pickle slice dangling from your mouth isn't impolite. It's human. Hi, Campbell fans. I'm Christy Yarbrough with Remax United. Thinking about buying or selling or know someone who is? Let me help you make the right moves. It's important to work with the right agent with local knowledge and cutting-edge experience. I can help ease the pains of the buying or selling process by guiding you through the steps. Whether it's connecting you with the right lender, home inspector, handyman for those undone projects, staging and prepping your home for sale, or helping you find the ideal home that fits your family's needs. Visit my website for more information at christywide.remaxagent.com. 
Go Camels! Step into a quality home you'll value for a lifetime. Perfect for your family at every stage. Mattamy Homes focuses on what you value most with different designs, styles, and finishes crafted to work within your budget. That's why we're ranked first in quality, value, and customer satisfaction. But we don't just build homes. We create communities with instant appeal and enduring value. See what we're building around Raleigh, places you'll be proud to call home. Visit mattamyhomes.com and see for yourself. Welcome back to Camel Call Friday. Joining me now, she starts her 10th season as head coach of the Campbell women's lacrosse team, Don Easley. And you have seen all but one year of Campbell women's lacrosse here. And just to give some perspective and why you'll notice the chemistry between me and Coach Early because we literally shared the top floor of the McKay house. We shared a bathroom, which we sounds did. odd when you say it. But the, but the McKay house, for those that don't know, it's the administration building. And it's an old house that was a old dorm that had this jack and jill bathroom and our and our <laughs> and our two offices were right uh beside each other and shared this bathroom which just shows you the fledgling media department at the time and lacrosse department at the time take me back to the mckay house second floor when you literally were building this division one program from ground up yeah i re oh i remember uh we were in the mckay house my assistants were downstairs in the kitchen um yeah, I was upstairs that's not an exaggeration. with I was upstairs with you. We shared a bathroom. I was nine and a half months pregnant for the entire yeah. first season, and I was still trying to get my feet wet and trying to figure out what Campbell Lacrosse was all about. Yeah. And uh, I got to know the media guys very, very well, including yourself. Um, and it, it was awesome. It was it was a fun yeah. time. It was it was different for sure, but it was fun. Take me back to that time. What does it take to build a program? And we'll get into it more, but you built a Division One program into a conference power. But but back then, when you literally were starting from scratch, what, what did that take? Um, it took a lot of um, understanding what the long-term game was and understanding what, what the future of the program held and um, continuing to strive on and um, understand that the girls that we had then were so important in getting the groundwork going um, and that they had such a big piece of what the future of Campbell Lacrosse was all about. And those girls had such a care for the program, care for each other, and a love for what Campbell Lacrosse um, could be. And, um, and, and just having a, a vision of what the future looks like, understanding what what Campbell Lacrosse was going to eventually be. And, and I think that we've definitely gotten there, and I think that it, it's taken a lot of resilience and a lot of patience. But, um, but the, the groundwork was set very early on by those girls that were on that team. And what was it like for you being a head coach? You are still young now. You were pretty young at the time. You, you graduated in 2005, so I'm doing the math right there. And you were just a handful of years out of college. Of course, you, were, you had head coaching experience, not at the Division One level. But what was that like for you? Well, I was I was young, and um, I got I knew I wanted to get into coaching when I was in college, and um, thankfully for me, my college coach wanted to hire me on as as his assistant, and he, and he taught me a lot, and 
Um, and then I became a head coach after two years of being an assistant, and I was a head coach for, um, I believe it was six years before the Campbell job came came around. Um, but that experience that I got at, at Pfeiffer was such a critical piece to me understanding who I was as a coach because there was a lot of people that surrounded me who were able to give me a lot of guidance and a lot of advice, great advice, on to what type of coach that I needed to be and what kind of coach I wanted to be. Um, and then that helped carry me to this job. And then there's been people at Campbell here who've been such a great, great force around me, um, great team to just help me continue down that path and help guide me and help um, continue to give me great advice and um, just really great supporters. And so that's why I feel like I've, I've um, stayed here and, and done well because people at Campbell have done such a great job of just supporting our program and me. You set that foundation and, and got the building blocks for a successful Division One program. And over the last half of your coaching tenure here, half a decade now, you've seen the fruits of that. You guys are getting better and better every every single year. Tell me where the program is at now. Right now, we have really seen our team blossom into um, this team that really recognizes that we are at the top of the conference and that we are a team that everybody is really starting to, to aim for and to have on their radar when they're scheduling. Um, we have really great teams reaching out to us to want to play us because we're competitive. Um, we are in a place where we are still trying to win a, that first conference championship, um, but we're also a winning program, and, and that has been the critical piece into where we are right now is, is understanding how to win and how to win well. Um, and, I, and I'm really proud of these girls, and I think that we're just we're really in, a, in this great place where we are a name that people recognize, and now people are reaching out to us recruiting-wise and understanding who Campbell is, where we're located, and, and what our team's all about. And I feel like our players have done a great, great job of representing us outside of the Bowie's Creek community um, to, to you know, make a name for Campbell. Um, the club teams that are in the area, now we're getting some North Carolina kids who are really great players who are interested in coming to us, and they want to stay in the state because they recognize that North Carolina lacrosse is growing so fast. I was going to ask about that with recruiting. When you started here, when Campbell started a program 10 years ago, it was this wave of Southern schools starting women's lacrosse programs. You couldn't look around here and make a team that was going to win back then, could you? You had to recruit up where women's lacrosse was. Well, th there's there's been a, a good number of North Carolina women's lacrosse who, who've even come from North Carolina that have come through Campbell lacrosse, but there's not a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And then um, and th there's some really, really great players out of North Carolina, but now we're really seeing the state of North Carolina grow and build in the sport of lacrosse due to the commitment of a lot of the coaches from at the high school level, the club level. And so now these North Carolina kids, their talent is really just uh, just – sprouted and bloomed and now we're able to get some really good high level lacrosse from the North Carolina kids and and that is attributed to the commitment from like I said the high school coaches the club coaches but also the commitment from the players themselves who are committed to making their game better and and attending the clinics and and getting to know what college lacrosse is all about so it's North Carolina lacrosse is, is really in a great place right now and what's even greater is that the national championship for division one women's lacrosse is going to be in carry this year yeah. which is a big deal for for um, our sport and I'm, I'm really excited to see how that continues to uh, to grow the sport in North Carolina 
you've got to feel good. You are a part of growing this sport in a place where it wasn't grown. Look, I'll be one of the first ones to admit growing up in Missouri and then being out here in North Carolina for, for 20 years when Campbell women's lacrosse had their first home game at Barker Lane Stadium 11 years ago now. It was the first women's lacrosse game. I and probably 90% of the people that were at that game, either working it or, or in the stands, had seen. And now the fact that it has grown at every single level, it has to make you feel good. It does make me feel good. It's, it also um, it makes me feel good that, that lacrosse is a, is a sport that is growing. And, and I told my husband 20 years ago, I said, in 20 years, you are going to see lacrosse really rising to the top of – of athletics in sports um, and and he thought I was crazy because he's from North Carolina and now he just said the other day that I was completely right and he's it's been a lot of fun for him to watch too and um, and I've had assistant coaches who have gone on who've gotten out of college coaching but have even started their own club programs and helped out with the high school level who are in the state of North Carolina and so I feel like while I'm not in the high school scene um, uh, other than working camps and clinics, I feel like I've, that I've helped that process grow with being able to develop assistant coaches who have gone on to develop the high schoolers in North Carolina. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, but since day one when you came here, you had to build a Division One program, but, but culture has always been a, a word you use. A lot of coaches use that word, and it kind of ebbs and flows, but I've really noticed that that's something that you have taken seriously from day one and continue to take it seriously you really preach to your uh, student athletes about what came before. You mentioned those girls that the overall record wasn't very good back in, in those first couple years of Campbell Across, but you hold them in reverence because of what they built, and you really tip your cap to them for what they built. That's built a culture. Yeah, absolutely. So our, our core values are courage, faith, and legacy. And legacy is leaving behind your passion and impact. And, and while we want to win a conference championship, um, you know, when, whenever that comes, sooner rather than later, that doesn't come without the girls who came before us. And in over the last 11 years, the girls who have played a part of Campbell Lacrosse helped contribute to that conference championship. And, and that is so important to me because I, I, you have to be thankful for the girls that came before you and, and showed you what that, that glass ceiling is for us to meet the next step. And, um, and yeah, that's, I, I feel like that's an important part of our culture because we can't forget um, all the years prior to that, that buildup. And we also can't forget that we're setting the standard for the girls who are coming in after us, too, because that's important. Because the way we hold ourselves in regard on campus, the way we regard on, in the community and within each other, within just the team itself, that's important for the girls who are recruiting to understand what they're, they're buying into. Last year, you have, have built a program into a program that last year you, you knew you had built and you had the right ingredients to to win a conference championship, to win a conference tournament. You all have won seven straight games. You didn't you didn't lose in April. You won seven straight games. You're bludgeoning people. And then you had a mass of injuries and, and people have injuries on teams all the time, but really picking apart all conference players, players of the year, some of your best players. You lost your final three games. Two of them were 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 in overtime. It was heartbreaking uh, from the outside. I mean, again, I've known you for a long time. Um, I know what kind of person and coach you are. It, it broke my heart. What was what was that like in the program, knowing that if everybody had been healthy, we'd probably be talking trophies right now? What was that like? <laughs> just listening to you talk about it just brings back some hard feelings. Um, 
it was heartbreaking. Um, there's a lot of emotion that goes in behind remembering what last year was like. Um, and it's not always easy to talk about, but I think for me, I look at that team last year and, and the heartbreak of the losses is, is very heavy, but the relationships that I had with my players last year was also probably some of the best that I've ever had. And to me, that's probably one of the most rewarding part of the most rewarding part of, of last year was um, the never give up and seeing them come together. And um, it just, it, it felt like it felt very real. And I don't think that you can build a relationship like that with your players without having the great parts and, and the, the heartbreak too. And I think that's important for, for the future of our, our program is to understand that every single person last year played a part on that season. Didn't matter where you were standing because <clears throat> we needed everybody from the from starters to the to the bench played some sort of piece to that. And I think for me that that really took on a new level of helping the girls understand that your job is never done regardless of where you stand, regardless of the playing time, regardless of how many goals you score, regardless of how many saves you have. You all have a part in this program and its success. And when you get a ring for winning a conference championship, nobody's going to ask you where you were standing on that field. Everybody's going to know that you are a part of something very special. And so it, it, there's a lot of heartache that comes with last year, but there's also a lot of pride as well. And, that, and that's, uh, that's a good feeling to know that those relationships that I have with my players was so much more important than that ring. Fast forward to this year, you have some of those players that, that have graduated, some important players. You have some players that, as you said, probably would not have seen the field last year if it wasn't for them having to come together and doing well and, and really putting you guys in position to win at the end of the year. So what does this year uh, look like as you practice in the fall getting ready for the spring? It's not any different. There's still – every year is the same. Every year we're preparing for – each game, every year we're preparing to get better, we're preparing to play the next game, and that doesn't really look any different. Um, the same, you still want to be a good teammate, you still want to be doing your job, you still want to hold your teammates accountable. You know, We have set standards for our program, and, and that doesn't change from year to year. And as long as we can continue to hold, hold each other accountable, we continue to uphold our standards of, of the program, then I think we're, we're never going to not go up. We're just going to keep getting better. You mentioned uh, your husband, a little bit earlier you guys were both student athletes uh, at Pfeiffer that's where you were at it's uh, from my eyes a successful marriage um, <laughs> you have an ever-growing family give me updates uh, not only on him but on your on your three beautiful children um, yeah so my husband is uh, he decided to step away from coaching and he is now the youth director at our church um, so that's exciting so and I get great. to help out with him um, def a different role but really exciting um, Ultimate Frisbee is definitely a, a very competitive time on Wednesday nights. <laughs> so that's a lot of fun, especially when he and I are on the same team. Um, Caleb is now playing football, and so it's fun to watch him and sit on the sidelines as a parent to see oh what, what that's like. It's how, a, how old is he? He's 12. He was a little boy when I first met him. He was. He was three, and oh he gosh. is – I do have to say he's very good. Uh, class of 2029. Um <laughs> And then K Corey is doing gymnastics, and she is having a lot of fun just being a girl. And then Riley is uh, 20 months and keeping us very, very busy. Yeah, your third is about five months ahead ahead of mine. 
first, this story, I talk about the story of you having your third child. And in my mind, you went from the delivery room straight to practice three hours later. It wasn't that different. All right, to take me through that time and how quickly you were back on the field. Because I tell this story to a lot of people, but I think I, I get it wrong. So my water broke at practice on Thursday. <laughs> Wait, I, you, you were at practice I was at practice. Broke. I didn't know my water broke, but it had, it had broken. <laughs> and then uh, Friday morning, I felt like something was a little off. So I took myself to the hospital. They admitted me. Um, Riley was born... I believe it was Saturday morning. Okay. I believe it was in the earlier hours. Um, so of course I missed that game on Saturday, which was a home game. But I was, we were in um, my room post delivery by Saturday afternoon at one o'clock for us to play Stetson. So Joe and I had the game up on my computer <laughs> while I was trying to figure out how to be a mom all over again. And then uh, we were home Sunday. We, I did not attend practice on Monday or Tuesday, but Wednesday we played ECU. It was at ECU, and I, I was – I take that back. I did attend practice on Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> of course I, I did, did. I, yeah. Um, you gave birth on Saturday. I, did, I didn't do anything. I was just there. I was in attendance. But you gave birth on Saturday. I, I, I've been in the delivery room in the last <laughs> year. You, you gave birth two days prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds as crazy as it is and it felt as crazy at the time uh Wednesday I went to the to the team bus to see the girls off and then um I was back starting to get back into coaching again by Thursday and I was at the game on that Saturday my hero I'm just crazy (laughs) just a little crazy and with a lot of support a lot of support unbelievable what's the best part about being a mom um all of it yeah there's not any one thing each stepping stone each each age comes with its own excitement and and challenges and and pride and joy and it's just it's a lot of fun it, every age is fun at, at its different points all of which have different challenges i mean i'm partly toddler mom and partly preteen mom um oh wow you so have to do all of that yeah so that that's interesting <laughs> And trying to remember what it was like to be a toddler mom, but then also anticipating the new preteen stuff that's going on there too. So that that's uh, I feel like Corey's that good age right now where it's <laughs> not too challenging yeah. and very satisfying. But uh, yeah, it's it's all very different. All the stages are different. What do I need to do to get my boys from 14 months to 12 years old? Um, survive. <laughs> <laughs> survive with a lot of love. That's awesome. You're the best. Thank you so much for spending time. That wraps up Camel Call Friday. Don't miss our Camel Call live show every Monday night at the County Seat Sports Grill in downtown Lillington. You can listen to that show live. Get the replay in podcast form every Tuesday at noon, wherever you're listening to this now. For Don Easley and Evan Budrovich, I'm Chris Amar saying so long. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.